1: Yes, we do, and it was so great. Um, Kimbra is an urban fantasy author, and she is so great about connecting with readers and has tons of ideas about that. It was really a fun interview.
0: Yeah, and she uses not just her books, but she has some marketing things that she does and Patreon to connect, so we talked about all of that. It was really good. We did have a couple of issues with the sound in this one, Mm -hmm, so... mm -hmm. We will do everything we can to make it as clear as possible. But yeah, so, yeah. but stick with us if it because there's some really great interview, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. really great information in this yes. about how to connect yeah. with your readers and um, kind of uh, creating some if different um, income streams, which yes, we're all interested in. So yes, we, yeah. we are. So that's are. coming up. Yeah. So what have you been okay. doing?
1: Um, I have been. Working on just some ideas that I have and the surprise project that I'm messing with. And, um, yeah, just that's about all I've been doing. Um, I have done some consulting this week, which was, you know, it's always super fun. I love it. And uh, so that's taken up some time. And, yeah,
0: that's, yeah. And we're about have- to... You have openings, right? If you, if anybody's interested in consulting.
1: I do. I have some openings and I mean, it's just been so fun because you know, some of the people that I did consulting for before the first end of the year or right after the first year are now putting their books out and just seeing them do well and knowing that some of the things they're doing are things we talked about. It's just, it's so satisfying. I love that so much. So that's, that's been great. And, uh, we, we're leaving to go to my granddaughter's ninth birthday party on saturday um and we're starting birthday season as we call it in our family (laughs) when you have six grandkids there's a birthday season so uh (laughs) so that's what we're starting and yeah so that's what's going on with me not a lot how about you sir
0: well, I'm getting back into the routine. I was um, out of town last week, so this week I've been working on editing. I'm, I've am i got to the end of my first round of revisions, and it is a book. It is okay. I'm going back in there now, fixing certain things and um, just doing editing and revision, so yeah, yeah, that's really that's good. Great. It feels good to be doing that. And um, yeah. I'm also working on – we had um, – Russell and Monica on about a Kickstarter project. Yes, and so yes. I've ordered a special cover. I'm going to do a hard cover. So I've been working with the cover artist on that, getting that all, you know, ready to go. So that will probably be what I'll yeah. work on next.
1: Yeah. And you guys need to, um, if you're not in the Facebook group, join the Facebook group, Ooh. Uh, because we are going to have a, um, an affiliate link for their webinar coming up. It's a free webinar. It is an affiliate link. So I just want y'all to know that, but it's the second, it's like an encore webinar that they're doing and they had, have had such great response and people have loved it so much that they're doing it again. So if you're interested at all in Kickstarter, that is something you might want to uh, sign up for just to uh, get, you know uh, the free webinar because the free webinar is full of information that mm-hmm. you can use so
0: yeah so we'll and have you that don't link have to
1: sign up for the class if you don't
0: need to yeah so we'll put that link in the Facebook group so yeah, yeah. and I would definitely recommend yeah. if you're thinking of Kickstarter definitely check that out because yeah, they talking about. good yeah. information yeah very helpful stuff.
1: yeah when we were at that conference a couple of weeks ago, that little mini conference, they were there and oh my gosh, we sat and talked to them for almost an hour and mm-hmm. just super good information. And Russell really, really knows his st- stuff when it comes to Kickstarter.
0: Yeah, and has ideas of things that I would never, never think of doing of. in the way I'm thinking of structuring this Kickstarter campaign. I wouldn't have yeah. done except that I talked to them. So yeah. anyway, so we will have that. And I think that's about all I've got going on. We've it's yeah. been kind of a quiet, uh, mostly editing week, so not very exciting, but yeah, making progress, so that's good. Yeah. So, yeah. so let's get on and talk to Kimbra. Yeah. All right. Here's Kimbra Swain. All right. Well, today we are really happy to have Kimbra Swain with us. Hi, Kimbra. How are you? Hello. I'm good. How are you guys?
1: We're great.
0: We're so happy you're here. So let me read your bio and we'll get started. Um, From early life, Southern urban fantasy author Kimber Swain was indoctrinated into the ways of geekdom. Raised on Star Wars, Tolkien, superheroes, and Voltron, she found herself immersed in the world of imagination. She started writing in high school and completed her English degree from the University of Alabama in in 2003. Kimber still lives there with her husband and daughter. And she isn't reading or writing. She plays PC games, makes jewelry, and builds cars. That's wow. a new one. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> know
1: that. <laughs> so tell us well, how you got into writing.
2: I got into writing very young. Um, I did a lot of writing in high school. Um, I, I was the kind of person that when I'd watch a television show or a movie or read a book, And I wanted the story to continue um, to keep going. I would, I would, you know, do my own versions of the story. Oh, wow. And so it kind of, you know, it wasn't even like even a fan fiction thing because um, I didn't know what fan fiction was back then. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but I also created my own stories. Um, I, I think the first, full length story I wrote. I was a senior in high school and it was a project in our English class to write Mm -hmm. um, something fiction and it was a fairy tale. And um, Mm -hmm. so um, I think that was my, my first writing. And then of course I did English in college. And so I did a lot of creative writing there and I did some, you know, uh, submissions and things like that to publications and got those nice little (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, but this is not what
0: you're looking for. Thanks, you're but no listening. thanks letters. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I really kind of gave up on it for a very long time. And um, I came back around to it because I I got to reading it's my husband got me into listening to an urban fantasy book that he was listening to on audio because he's a very he's an audible audio book kind of mm-hmm. person. And I kind of fell in love with urban fantasy genre, so I started gobbling up all of that. Mm-hmm. And within six months, I had, I was on read, beta reader teams for a couple of indie fantasy authors, and I didn't know what indie was. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. when I mentioned to one of them that I used to write, they were like, Why don't you do it now? And then I was like, Well, because I don't want to go through that whole writing letters and getting rejected. And yeah. like, oh, you don't to do that anymore. Yes. <laughs> yes. From that point, it kind of exploded into what I have now, which is still a little bit overwhelming and surprising to me right
1: tell me tell us how many books you
2: have it's over 60 i don't even know um, and how uh, many it's over 60 um wow i don't i don't know how many. i don't know the exact count i probably should know <laughs> it's one of those things that i don't i don't file like my brain has lots yeah, of things yes. and that's just like one of the things i don't hold on to so i can't yeah i can't tell you how many exactly it is but yeah you know, that's amazing and how
0: that's long amazing. have you been publishing
2: I published my first story in September 2017.
0: So, wow. So you've been quite
2: prolific.
1: <laughs> I write a That's lot. Yeah, that is amazing.
2: It was like an addiction all of a sudden. And then I was like, oh, let's write a book and have fun. So I wrote a book and had fun. And I was like, that was a lot of fun. Let's do it some more. Yeah. And then I haven't stopped since. That's
1: great.
2: Oh, that is terrific. That's
1: just great. Yeah. Uh, just for reference, y'all, I published in April 2017. I have seven books. So there you go. Same, but different.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it really is.
0: Well, what's your definition of success?
2: My definition of success changes all the time.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Success when I first did the first book was just to put a book out there with my name on it and say, hey, I published a book. Mm-hmm. yeah and then after that and then the bar moved and it was like okay let's publish a series mm-hmm. and so when i get through or six books and i'm like well maybe i should advertise these books and so right. the ball <laughs> of success kept moving the successes um I, I like little successes instead of this big picture of oh i want to have this, all these things and so i i like to set small Uh, bars of goals for me and when I hit one of those that's a success for me I'm not looking for the let's be rich and have a mention in 10 cars and you know all this stuff Mm -hmm. I'm looking for um, it wasn't even a goal to become a full-time author at the beginning it was Mm -hmm. just let's have fun and write some books Mm -hmm. and then when it did become you know let's do this Mm full-time and now that I have been doing it for full-time for almost two years it's okay, let's pay my bills (laughs) and let's Mm -hmm. uh, do special things for my daughter and save for vacations. And Mm -hmm. it's really like business goals. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I'm at now is that's great. I'm in a phase of changing from just doing just the writing of things to doing a lot of author things, um, Mm -hmm. going to events and speaking and things like Mm -hmm. that. So, and I enjoy that concept. So it's nice to be able to do that. Right.
1: Right. And we should say you're speaking at Incurseton. You're on, Two panels, is that right? I am, yep. Yeah, one with Sarah and myself, and one, and we're talking about series, but the other one is on?
2: The other one is on merchandising, and the panel is about uh, diversifying your income, and so mm-hmm. I'll be talking about the merchandising aspect of that, and then there'll be two other authors who talk about different aspects of, you know, um, translations, and then there was another one, I can't remember off the top of my head, but, you um, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Well, that and that, if you're listening in real time, that's InkersCon June 2022. <laughs> if you're listening yeah. in the future, it may already be over. <laughs> yeah, but, but Con is a conference that you can uh, get the replays. So mm-hmm. if you're listening later, then you can get that. So, yeah, so yeah, that'll be fun. We're looking forward that, to yeah. it. Channel. I'm excited yeah. about it.
1: I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Um, you know, any chance I get to. See people in person. I'm like, oh, so excited. <laughs> so, tell us what you wish you'd known about writing and craft when you started.
2: Um, I think it's it's hard to quantify that for me because I, I'm very, I, even though I do a lot of creative things, my writing is very creative. I'm a very logical person. Um, I'm mm-hmm. very half brained half left, half right, and so it. I, there are things that. I know I shouldn't have known, um, but I'm glad I know now kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think one of the things looking back is, um, I was very hard on myself in the beginning for finding things that I did. That was, uh, stupid <laughs> and was really hard on myself for those things. Um, and so I, I think, um, I was, you know, just learning the business itself takes time. Yeah. And I like to, I'm, I'm, I'm a number one learner on, mm-hmm. on my uh, skills. And so when I don't absorb the things I should have absorbed, it really bothers me. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think um, in the beginning, I knew that I wanted to put a good a bit of money into my first publication and make sure I had an edited document and I make sure I had a good cover and those mm-hmm. kind of things, even though I wasn't really into the marketing side but even then I did it wrong <laughs> because <laughs> I was, I was a little stubborn thinking that, you know, Hey, I'm just going to do this for fun. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, it turned into something else. And so I had to kind of retrack and rechange some things around and I don't really regret them or call them mistakes, but it was definitely mm-hmm. it's a definite learning process.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah. But, but I
1: think that's important because you did that. You made those slip ups, we won't call mistakes, right. slip ups, but you're still super successful and that series has done super well for you. So I think it's a good lesson and a good reminder that we can still, we can recover and still, I mean, the, the fact is you wrote a good book. I mean, I've read it. It's You've wrote a good book. And so that's, that carried you a good ways. Um, so I think that's important.
0: Yeah, that comes up again and again when we talk to people that they messed up, but they learned from it. And that's kind of why we're doing the podcast is, you know, just to talk about the different things we've learned from. And so, yeah, it's a, it's not always a horrible thing when you mess up because then at least we know how not to do things, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how, that is how we learn.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, what about marketing? What do you wish you'd known about marketing?
2: Um. <laughs> I wished I didn't know about marketing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I've 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 learned a lot, but I think the thing that I've learned the most about marketing is you can't like sit still with marketing, right. and as yeah. it's constantly changing, the the algorithms yeah. and the way the ads are delivered and the way um, you you market yourself to your groups and to uh, the public. And those things, it is a constant shifting process. There's a lot of change going on there. And I didn't do a lot of marketing when I was still working full time. Um, I ran ads and um, thankfully they were successful. And I'm not even sure how they got there because I didn't take any really tutorials or anything like that. I, I did pick the brains of a couple of mentors while I was doing it. But um, I'm also the kind of person that likes to go out and find the answers myself. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did a lot of, of that researching tr- trial and error type stuff, but um, I wished I would have known when, when I started um, and I got, I think I got very lucky. I didn't actually start advertising till like the fourth or fifth book in my series. And I think that was probably the best way to go with it. And I still follow right. that. Now I still have my initial push when I start a series a first, first book in a series, but I don't really start pushing the whole series until I hit book three or book four. Um, and that's really when I start dumping money into it, because for me and in, in the genre of urban fantasy, that read through is so important
3: mm-hmm. and
2: my series tied together and learning how to write a series to be marketable is is another thing that I learned very quickly um, because I started asking questions about because it shocked me when I put Bless Your Heart um, Fairy Tales of Trailer Park Queen book one out. It was immediately um, people loved it. And I was like, what is it about this book? And I started asking questions to the readers that were open enough. And thankfully I had a reader base. I was very blessed to have a reader base kind of from one of my mentors um, out there with people that I trusted and I could ask those questions to. And it really helped me in the beginning to write books that are marketable. Um, you, can, you can dump a lot of money in ads and stuff, but if your book is not appealing it's going to be yeah. hard to market that book so. yeah mm-hmm.
0: and did you just ask your readers is that how you figured out like what the thing was that was appealing to them the most yeah yeah when I started um talking to the readers
2: and I had several I think I, when I first started I had an art group of about 10 people because I'd been in art groups and I kind of drugged people from other authors <laughs> with permission <laughs> yeah. um art 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 readers into my group and it was nice to say, you know, I was even kind of questioning, is this really urban fantasy? Because it's a small town, even though right. it's modern, and, and there's a lot of magic and fairies and a lot of different creatures in it. Is this really fitting the genre? And because I questioned that a lot in the beginning, and I knew that it was important to know what genre I was in so that I could market it that way. And... Um, they were all very, yes, this is absolutely, and not only that, it's something you don't see often. And right. So, it was, it's fresh. It's a fresh idea. Yeah. Yeah. It was, And I think that's the biggest thing that came out of it was, we don't see a lot of Southern-based things, and the people that were Southern or had connections to the South was like, it's so authentic to the area that is, has that appeal to it because of the authenticity. So I think that's from the beginning, that's where I got a lot of the encouragement from. Yeah, I can see
1: that. I can see
2: that.
1: Um, So what assumptions did you make at the beginning of your writing career? And looking back, did they turn out to be right or wrong? (laughs) Uh,
2: (laughs) I I assumed I couldn't make money doing it.
1: Yeah.
2: I assumed that it was just going to be. Because I am very aware of how many books are out there, and I am yes. very aware of all the people that upload books every single day.
3: Yeah. And
2: I was just like, you know, I'll have a few friends and coworkers buy this book, and you know, some a few of the connections I've made through reading mm-hmm. books online. But I never ever thought I would write a bunch of books, and I <laughs> never thought that I would. This would be my full-time job. Right. Um. And I never thought that anybody in the author community would ask me for advice. <laughs> and I'm like, are you, you're asking me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think those are assumptions that I made in the beginning that necessarily weren't bad assumptions. They were just really wrong.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: And I think sometimes when people do decide, you know, but I did have kind of a business, even though I didn't intend to make it a business, the, yeah. the my mentor had a very business mind. And he was like, get you an LLC, set up all these things, mm-hmm. get your accountant and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm not going to need all this stuff. He said, trust yeah. me, just do it. And yeah. so I did, because he said, it was like, okay, this guy knows better yeah. than me, right? Mm-hmm. And right. so, um, yeah, but I made all those assumptions, but I still set myself up right. And I think yeah. that's part of, of everything I've learned is going forward. I try to set myself in a best position. You can't mm-hmm. predict everything, but you can put yourself in a best position. So, right,
1: right. that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And mm-hmm. um, you said something that I wanted to circle back to. I can't remember what it is now. Mm, not enough coffee this morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, I think, well, I think it's important that you, you took wise advice. Like, again, we t- I talk about this all the time. If you're going to ask somebody for help or their advice and they take the time to give it to you, then at least be courteous enough to try it. And and you did that. And I think that, that um, that's important, too, you know, when you, yeah. um, when yeah. you come upon that. I, I mean, I think that that's important that you follow through on that. So that's, I don't think that's what I was going to say, but that, that gets me out of the hole. So there you go. Good job. Yeah. Thanks.
0: And it's so much easier to set all that stuff up in the beginning, rather than build it middle of your career, which is what I did, which I do not (laughs) recommend. So Do what Kimber says. (laughs) Yeah,
1: do what Kimber says for
0: sure. Well, um, we've already talked a little bit about mistakes and like things you've learned. And is there, um, can you think of any uh, mistake that turned out to be a good thing? We've talked, kind of touched on a couple of things, but um, anything that comes to mind with that? Uh,
2: Specifically, I tried to think of something um, for this and, and I really couldn't think of anything other than just, you know, the whole aspect of the mistakes that I made ended up being good things in the learning process, um, which is Mm -hmm. kind of an obvious, but I think, um, I don't know, um, I can't think of anything specifically that I made a a happy mistake. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) It's Unless unless you count, you know, setting setting the business up and not really knowing what I was getting myself into. I really had no clue what, and I wasn't even, when I, I don't understand, fully understand indie publishing now, but, you know, four and a half years ago, when I started this, I really didn't know anything, and I didn't even, I was getting into it, and I didn't even know I was getting into it,
3: mm-hmm. you know?
2: I was just like, oh, okay, so this is the way you put out a book. Yeah. yeah. so it was um, I think (laughs) a happy mistake is I I sat down and wrote a book and I published it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 A lot of people get hung up on learning every, and you're a big learner and I am too. That's the really high on my strengths. And so like you can spend all the time learning things and never actually releasing a book, you know? So I think that's, that's good.
2: That's a, that's a huge thing too. And I, I've talked to people who haven't published and they're writing and they've asked me questions, and I'm like, at some point, <laughs> you've got to let go and right. just put it out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's an incredibly brave thing to do. Right. You have to be, have a lot of courage to just put it out there and let it go and see what happens. And um, there's ups and downs, and there's
3: mm-hmm. things
2: that people say, and you're like, oh, God, why did I do this? But overall, it's always... A good thing because you're achieving something you want. And you never know until you get out there and do it. Right,
1: exactly. What's the biggest mindset shift you or uh, that you've had in your career?
2: I'd say the biggest mindset was, you know, like I said, I kind of put it in the out there, and starting it off as a business. Um, and I'd had personal side businesses before, so the business model of doing things wasn't new to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it it was automatically kind of that thing for me. Um, But I think that when I started, my husband and I started talking about um, my previous job, I was, and that's where the building cars comes in. I worked in the (laughs) automobile um, manufacturing industry for 15 years Mm -hmm. um, at a very large plant for a luxury car. And I was, um, in a body shop, so I know how to weld, and I know all the <laughs> technology and stuff that involves building cars, and body work, and those kind of things, and I did like my job, but physically, it was very difficult for me, um, I worked two weeks days, two weeks nights, mm-hmm. um, I, I, was, I had, had a child, my daughter was born in 2010, and mm-hmm. we got to the point where she was almost to go into kindergarten, Mm -hmm. and I was working those swing shifts and she was spending half the time with my parents because of my shifts and my other work. And I told him at some point, I said, this is, this has got to give. And I've got this income from, you know, the books. And it was, it was a full-time income at that point, but we never even considered walking away from the job. job. Cause it was, it was, I made good money. And, Mm -hmm made really good money for where I live in the demographic and the cost of living. And so it was a difficult situation to say, okay, well, this is what we're going to push for. And then when we got there, the mind shift of, okay, now I have all of this time, right, to write mm-hmm. and full time. And it's really not that either. It's not anything <laughs> like I it was when I went full time. Um, I think I have less time now than I have when I go back. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, and it's funny how your mindset changes when you realize, when you think something like, this is going to be this way, I'm going to sit, I'm going to write all day and I'm going to have all these books. And mm-hmm. no, <laughs> it does not
1: happen. I even bought like a cardigan sweater to wear. <laughs> In Texas, because I thought, oh, that's that's the look I'm going for. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs>
0: the writerly look. Yeah yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. And do you did you find it to be more pressure when you quit your day job? I mean, did writing become less fun, or is it? Are you just one of those people that just makes that switch and it doesn't really affect you?
2: No, it affected me. Um, it it's um it had quits and then and that was in 2019 my full-time job in august 2019 and then in um 2020 the year started off i mean i know everybody knows covid kind of hit around the march area but um my i had a grandparent that died and my husband had a grandparent that died within a week Mm -hmm. and the first week of january and so we immediately went into um, that, from that into the COVID, and so it was like um, I had my daughter at home homeschooling, and um, oh my gosh, it was it was um, a lot of pressure to continue putting out at the same rate that I was before, and to try to justify the time. So now I have all this time on my hands, but I really don't. Um, mm-hmm. I calculate, I get, a, I get about five hours during the day, uh, between driving my daughter to school and bringing her home and us mm-hmm. doing homework and just doing house stuff. I really only have five hours a day. It's not, even though I was working 10 and 12 hours a day when I was, you know, working full time, I don't have that 10 and 12 hours now. Yeah. And so it's, it was a lot of pressure and it still is for me to Mentally justify my time. So, you know what? What am I doing during this time in this place to kind of uh, make my business continue? And, and there's yeah. a lot of people doing that. Yeah. 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 Not I think to- that. What'd you say? I said it's not easy peasy. No, no,
1: it's not. Well, in for in your situation, you're managing your emotions too because you're grieving, and then yeah. your husband's also managing his emotions because he's grieving, and then the right. pandemic hits. And now you're managing your child's motion because she's home, and I mean it's just it was yeah, yeah, it's a lot. I mean for me it was a it was a big switch. I probably I had more focus I think when I was working than when I started doing this full time because you knew you only had this these a little bit of time. Yeah, 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. I always tell people that sometimes full time writing full time is not shouldn't be the goal not because you can't do it but because maybe you're not set up to do it maybe that's not and I'm not sure I'm that person honestly but now I'm here and as I've said (laughs) before I'm unemployable so um, I could never work yeah
2: I think I'm unemployable now too I'm like yeah I don't know that I could but I mean I think this is a good structure for me um I've just it's, it's a constantly changing structure and you're constantly having to adapt to everything else. Yeah. So.
1: I love what you said about can't sit still. Cause that's not just about marketing. That's kind of about everything. And mm-hmm. I think during the pandemic I did sort of sit still, like especially this yeah. last year, even though we're sort of kept out of it. I listened to a podcast today We're not, but whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I, and I'm doing this with my hands, like making a circle because that's how my year looks in my head. Mm -hmm. But I really, um, I think I just sat still because I had just had so much emotional stuff and everything. And, and when you sit still, things change really fast and then you have to play catch up and that's hard.
2: Yep. And I think too, um, you know, we're very involved with the clubhouse community with authors. Yes. And there are several authors in there I've heard them talk about. They they got into burnouts and then it ended up lasting a year or two years or three it's years. And I'm terrifying. like, I cannot imagine being away from the business that long and trying to play catch up. Because yeah. it's one thing to learn things new, but it's mm-hmm. a different thing to change the way you know. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, when you get to that point, and so that's why it's really, really important for us, whether you're doing it full time or whether you're not, is that you keep your mindset and your mental health very well, because um, it you can't let yourself get into that burnout stage. And people ask me all the time, do you feel like you're in burnout? I mean, I've written a lot of books. I've written, mm-hmm. put out a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. And they're like, are you burning out? And nothing has, the writing has never burned me out. Life mm-hmm. has burned me out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I writing is my escape from life, just like mm-hmm. reading was my escape from life. Mm-hmm. And so that's just my outlet. That when everything on the outside gets crazy, uh, like 2020 yeah. was crazy. I mean, in 2020, I also had five surgeries because I had mm-hmm. an issue up with my health. And while everybody else was going through COVID, I was, you know, every other month having a surgery,
0: and mm-hmm. it.
2: It was very, very difficult. It was a very rough year, and yeah. there were times that all I wanted to do was go home and pull out my laptop so I could write. And so, um, you know, it. I, I tried to keep my mindset on this is this is my happy place, and I want to make yeah. sure that my happy place stays stable. So, yeah, yeah. I
0: think that's good. terrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you're talking about like the the time in your day when you transition from being very super focused to having the whole day, it is a huge transition. And the other day I was keeping track. I don't do this very often, but I realized I really only had about four hours in the day to work, you know, like all the other times taking up with other things, just other commitments and things. And it's not every day is like that. But if you're expecting eight straight hours of, writing time and then you end up with like three to four of course it's going to be disappointing you know so it's a huge yeah. transition, <laughs> a huge transition. So, but anyway so let's get on to um some other topics we we're going to cover one of them was um merchandising so can you tell us about your merchandising and um book boxes right you do that as well is I that do. part of it that's part
2: of it yeah um i um have always, like I said, I've always had kind of a side business.
3: Um,
2: and the previous side business I had before I did this, I was making jewelry and selling jewelry at shows and things like that. And so I've always liked having that hands-on merchandise thing. Um, I was in the retail business for a while before I ever got into the, um, the manufacturing business. I, 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 worked in several different retail, retail situations, and it was always in a behind the scenes kind of thing. It was, I was, I'm not good at standing out on the floor and talking to people, but, um, I do like the the back end of that kind of stuff. So I was constantly dealing with, um, you know, merchandising and wholesale and things like that. And when I first started doing this, um, and, and also like art, I'm a very artistic crafty person. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to be able to, use that. And I started off very small doing that. Um, When I would go to some of my signings um, in the beginning, I would take a few of my books and then I would make tumblers and have tumblers Mm. and a few other things. So I started really small uh, with the merchandise. And um, (laughs) as I continued it, it became something that I really enjoyed doing. And I started researching the book boxes that were come out and I had met a couple of people from Fae Crate um, at a con because I do a lot of uh, sci-fi fantasy cons with my books mm-hmm. and I talked to them about the crates and stuff and I'd looked at it and okay, one of the reasons why I'm an indie author and I tell everybody this is because I like to have control of what I'm doing and mm-hmm. so what they have is a great product. like, man, I can do this myself. <laughs> I like to do things myself that's the independent strength that I have yeah. and um so the first book box that I put together I kind of went online and I looked at a few other authors that were doing it and then I said okay that's great but this is how I'm going to do mine <laughs> okay. and I kind of just set out to um picking a theme is very important if you're mm-hmm. thinking about doing um, merchandise on the scale of boxes, there's so much that goes into it. And I've learned so much about it as I've gone along. Um, but I would say if you're going to think about doing that kind of stuff, start small and then see how your reader base uh, responds to it and then move mm-hmm. forward. Um, I have other merchandising outlets because I have a two public site, So, I do T-shirts and you know um, products and stuff on there, um, and that's more to me is a more of a uh, fan service type thing because I don't make a whole lot of money on that. But I love seeing pictures of my readers with a T-shirt on or yeah, using yeah. A, book or a book bag or whatever they got from right, right. So it's that's that's a big deal for me. And then I started up my online store um, just to do um signed books and then <laughs> i was doing the tumblers and people were seeing them a lot in the, in the uh, you know face-to-face events and we went into covid and i was like okay well i can put these online and i started doing those okay. and then the next thing is i've started making jewelry to go with mm-hmm. because i still have all my jewelry stuff where i used yeah. to make jewelry so i was making jewelry and then i started thinking about what are the other things that i could do and tie in the books and I started writing things into my books ah. to make them merchandise. And yes. so it went from just reacting to being proactive in my merchandise. Right. Right, right, so right. There, there are certain pieces of jewelry or, say, there's a tattoo or there's something that goes on in the book that I can turn around and make a temporary tattoo or I can make a piece of jewelry to go with or um, if a character likes a certain um, kind of um, uh, my, my big thing that I have right now is I have a um, side series that I've been working on for a while. That's loosely related to trailer verse that's called the oddities emporium. And basically um, a guy owns a oddity shop. And if you've seen these oddities and curiosities type uh-huh. shows stores. stores have really creepy weird kind of stuff in them and I went into one of those in Kansas City Missouri um, with some friends Um, I was at an author um, event there and some of the readers and I went into the one of those stores and I was just like this would make a great story and that expanded to okay I'm going to write a story about a store but I'm also going to have a store and so I have an online store that's the Oddities Emporium Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: I sell a lot of esoteric items, tarot <laughs> cards, um, uh, uh, rocks. I have lots of rocks, which feeds my little, little bit of the science I have in my head. I've always yeah. loved uh, geology and astronomy and stuff like that. And so, and I have a whole selection of crystals and things that I sell through my website. And really when things kind of took a downturn, turn toward the, my, the, my downturn didn't start until the end of 2020. When mm-hmm. I really started seeing a difference in my income, from me too. The of COVID yeah. and having those extra things really got me through those times um, because it was a supplemental income. And thankfully I had the the capital from my books doing well to turn it into that merchandise stuff.
0: Right. I don't
2: ever right. put myself in a situation where I've, you know, buy a bunch of stuff and then i I'm. Then you out. have to
1: sell it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: That's good. Don't be long. I have a whole basement of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is another thing when you do merchandising. Um, do it based on which space you have. Because yes. When you start yeah. to do, you start doing crates and things like that. You need to have space because yeah. it can get overwhelming very quickly.
3: Yeah. And so.
2: It really just expanded into this huge thing, and I love every minute of the merchandising as much as I love writing books and putting them out. Right, right, that's true.
1: Yeah, I've seen Willa Winters uh, videos of her—you know, her entire house is floor-to-ceiling boxes and stuff. No,
2: it's amazing. uh, Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: (laughs) crazy. Well, quick question: question I looked at when I when I first started looking at. Yeah, she's great at that. She just kills it.
0: Yeah. Well, quick does. question about merchandising. I think people will be curious. Do you uh, market mostly to your readers through like your newsletter or is it on your website? Do you have people or do you still do signings? How do you market it?
2: I, um, most of it, mar- most of the marketing goes through my, my Facebook group is super active. And so a lot of that goes through there. I am the world's worst newsletter sender. Um, uh-huh. World's worst. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know how far I, how I've
0: gotten this far without you know I actually release I, regularly so you're probably fine yeah, right I
2: <laughs> but you no know, like last year last year
0: I probably sent
2: five newsletters all year oh wow
0: so you just I, show that there's I, all kinds I, of ways to do things it's totally words. fine <laughs>
2: yeah but um and when I do they're they're effective and I'm like oh I should do this some more I should do this more yeah <laughs> um. But I, I do it through the newsletter, but most of it goes through my Facebook group. And then my Odyssey's Emporium has its own Facebook group. And so uh-huh. the people who are really into the stuff uh-huh. that I sell through Odyssey are part of that group. Um, and I've I don't have enough followers yet on TikTok, but I'd like to do some live events on TikTok with mm-hmm. some of my merchandise. Um, just because it's really nice to be able to to sell stuff and people be able to see it. I do yes. Facebook lives when I do, we'll have a crystal sale and then I'll tell them what kind of items is going to be in it, give them some mm-hmm. teaser pictures and yeah. then I'll do a Facebook live and show the items. And
3: mm-hmm.
2: those it's, it's an, um, just, it's a really good marketing technique for those kind of things because people see something and they're like, Oh, I got to have that. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. on their live right now. And it's like, mm-hmm when I remember when I was a kid and my parents would sit and watch QVC oh, yeah. <laughs> and first came out and then my parents were like, Oh, super today. Special value. You know, I've
1: got to have that cubic zirconium. <laughs> <in> <laughs>
2: and to when today. it showed up, you we were like, why did I buy this? But exactly. you know, um,
0: the box yeah. comes yeah. and you think, did I order yeah. something?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is it? You order so much. you don't even remember what's in yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, and you, I mean, so having that ability to do things live and sell yeah. things that way and it creates a whole nother level of connection between yes. you and your readers. Yeah. And we um, talk about um, I love um, what is um, that does the the um, oh gosh she's RWA and she did a I, I had her Jennifer Lynn Barnes
0: Oh she yes. does The id list.
2: Doing fandoms and how they grow and that's really how an indie author can do it is a way to do it is is to build that extra layer of to me that's what the merchandise is it's it's more than just me selling stuff it's me i get to know my customers the customer part of my readers a lot better because i'll do hey what did you like what was your favorite thing of the last crate um, what items have, would you like to see in a crate? I do these polls all the time and I have a master list of crate ideas. Um, and mm-hmm. I haven't counted to see how many there is, but, and I'll have, um, I have a book that I'm going to be doing on it for indie authors um, that will hopefully come out in the next month or so um, that will have that master, my, my master list on it. So it oh, will have a list in it of all the ideas that I've come up with along the way. And, some of them, I can't claim all of them, you know. Right. I've done the research to see what, and I did some surveys a while back. I've got to go through those um, two authors and two readers of what they like to see in merchandise, and so all of that information will be in that book when I get to um, putting it out. But I'm, I it's been it's it's a joy for me. I enjoy having yeah. that extra. You can connection. tell.
1: You can tell. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. enjoy having that extra connection and. Creating things that are a surprise. I mean, my, I love it when they get a box and they videotape themselves opening the box and they take mm-hmm. each item out and they're like, "Oh, yeah." I, yeah. Even if I only see one of those per crate,
0: I'm I'm thrilled That is yeah. I just made my
2: day. And so that's so great.
0: It sounds like it's a great way to stay in touch with your readers, mm-hmm. and I think it could be really good for some. I mean, I know you release a lot, but it, something like that could be really good for somebody like me who doesn't release as often you could right. really connect with readers. So is your yeah. Patreon sort of the same thing? Is it just a different way to stay in touch yeah. with your readers?
2: Yep. My Patreon is a, a, just a different way. Stay in touch with my readers and I connect the two a lot because I do give my Patreon people um, uh, discounts on the merchandise. I give them the crates are limited edition. I do limited edition. I have a cap of how many that of them I sell, and so I say mm-hmm. that, hey, there's 75 of these. Uh, my Patreon people get first dibs, and so mm-hmm. they get to buy it a week a, a week ahead of everyone else, um, mm-hmm. but I also do, my Patreon is where I get really down and dirty and personal with my readers. I will straight up go in there one day and say, hey, look, I have a migraine today, and it sucks, <laughs> and it's hard, it's hard to write. Do you ever find something that, you know, and I, it's nice to have those personal conversations with people. I um, mean, that's mm-hmm. the, the Patreon, is where I do that. Um, I also do a serial story there for Patreon. Um, uh, they get my books before anybody else. I, they get free copies of the books depending on what level they subscribe. Um, uh, they get at what level they make the video book to, depending on how far up the, the level they go. And I learned a lot of. Uh, tips and tricks of Patreon um, from. Um, I'm so bad with names today. <laughs> ah! um, okay. Dakota, Dakota Kraut, um, yeah. who does good RPG. He is a master of Patreon. His Patreon group is insanely good, and he is a, a really great person, too. And so I learned a lot about Patreon. And one of the things he said when he was talking about it to me really stuck with me. He said, "You know, you are just giving your your fans an opportunity to be closer to you, and not to regret um, or question um, that amount of money that they're mm-hmm. spending because these are people who want that.
3: You're you're not
2: giving. I'm not giving them anything that." interferes with the normal storyline of my books and releasing of my books. Everything they get is extra and they're willing to go the extra mile. And some of them tell me, Hey, I've subscribed. And even if you don't get a chapter to us every week, I'm still going to stay because it's helping you out.
3: Oh, that's great.
2: You have, you have readers like that out there. And if you give them the opportunity to do it, they'll do it. And Dakota said, you know, I have this and I have the level too, just because he said, it, uh, there's a $1,000 a month level. And it's, if you subscribe to the $1,000 a month level, I will get on a plane and fly anywhere in the continental United States and we will sit and have dinner. Um, ah. and, and he was like, how do you know there's not someone out there that will do it? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if his has gotten, I need to, I need to talk to him. I haven't talked to him in a, since, um, Twenty books, so um, you know it's it, unless you put it out there, you don't know who your readers are. Your your readers right. might be a millionaire, and they right. want to, and they want to have that access. And so, unless you provide it, right. you can't realize on it. So yeah, right.
0: don't, limit, awesome. don't limit, don't yeah. limit ourselves, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not at don't,
2: all. Do don't do it. Right. But in the same way, it's it's a very thing, and you have to decide how much time you it, just like the merchandising. It yeah. Merchandising takes time away from what I'm doing as writing. Right. But my merchandising stuff, if anything has grown. And we were talking about, you know, time when I went full time, I think adding on these extra things, is the things that I did um, that yes. has uh, made my business what it is now.
1: Right. That's great. This is awesome. This has just been so great. I love how your focus is really about connecting with readers. And I just, I love that. It's been so great. Well, tell us what you think the best thing you've done to set yourself up for success has been. Um,
2: I think, and I think it really does go back to that. I think what sets um, indie authors that are successful apart from other authors is that they are willing to interact with their fans and they're really willing to interact with people on a personal level. I'm not talking about telling them Air all your deep dark secrets, but if you talk about, Hey, me and my dog went outside and you know, he did this weird thing, you know, yeah. or if you just say this is my fun, my daughter said something funny this week. Right. Um, and, and you, you, and I've used my Facebook group mainly that way from the beginning to be a very interactive place where I allow them to post things and I comment on their things and be just as genuine and authentic and it ties into my brand of being a Southern urban fantasy author is yeah. I like to bring that Southern hospitality yeah. feel to everything that I'm doing and right. I wrote a couple of books before I wrote uh, Bless Your Heart which started into the the, the trailer verse and. Those two books are good books, but I haven't went back to that series because Trailerverse really took off. And I think it's because I wanted, I had an intense desire to write something about the South and do something that was a positive light. Yeah. Because uh, there are so many negative connotations to um, the South. And I think every place has some kind of negative connotation, but I really wanted to uh, bring to light some of the really endearing things about where I live and how I grew up and the people that I've been around. And then I just extended that into my reader group. That's great. So I those those people and when they when they join my reader group, we tell them, Welcome to the trailer park. You got your spot if we're, you know, we're gonna have a good time. And everybody gather around, we'll be drinking beer and talking about NASCAR. And our flip
1: flops, yeah. Flip
2: (laughs) flops or tank tops and our, our ball caps and, you know, and, and that's the kind of environment that I tried to set up yeah. from the beginning. And I don't know that I did it to say, hey, I want to be successful and this is how to be successful. Right. But I think that's really what put me in the position that I am now. Yeah. I, I built a base of lo- loyal people who yeah. really stick through me when I've had the ups and downs, when I went through 2020 and all the things, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, this year hasn't been much better. Um, yeah. but they, they, they're, they're loyal. They're there. There's a core group of people there that I know I could it could be six months before I put out a book, but when I do, they'll be there. They'll be and they're so, there to buy. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's yeah. really where my success came in to making that connection to my readers.
1: Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Not telling your deep, dark secrets would not fall into the category of my latest TikTok. So,
2: I oh, love I your TikToks. I love them. I was like, oh, look, there's She's something crazy again. I love it.
0: <laughs> I love it. Thanks. Uh,
1: my kids are, you know, groaning every time I put one up. But,
0: oh, well. <laughs> but they're not your market, so that's okay. They're
1: not my market. Yeah. No, my readers love them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on today and telling, uh, sharing all of this that you do. Yeah, it's been really helpful. Yeah. I think people get some really good ideas from it. So yeah, thank so you. Yeah. And and,
2: anybody ever has any questions, please. I'm I'm an open book author where you can come to me yeah. and ask anytime or whatever. I'm on Facebook. Send me a yeah, message. Right. I'm asleep. But I'm not going to get up and answer you.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I will get back to you. I, I, I love to, you know, just if spread the the joy of what I do and what really makes me happy. So,
0: OK, right. we'll tell everybody where they can find about you and your books. OK. Uh, every th- I am a KU author,
2: so therefore my books are all on Amazon
0: um, under Kimber Swain. Uh,
2: also write- I also have a PNR pen name, Leslie Mason, mm-hmm. and um, I just started that last year. So that's a new endeavor. Um, but um, KimberSwain.com or you can find me on Facebook. My Facebook group is Magic in Mason Jars.
0: Oh, I love awesome. it. Love it. All right. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. We will have all those links at the uh, wish would So you can go to the show notes and find those there. And thanks to Alexa Larberg for editing and producing the podcast and to Adriel Wiggins for doing all the admin. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the wish I'd known then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.